Hello people, welcome to the Life, Lemons and Tequila podcast with me, Subhashish Paruka. This is the episode 1. In today's episode, I have a, a, a sort of social media celebrity, um, a communications professional, a blogger, a dancer, a poet, an activist, an international beauty pageant winner. There's just too many. She sent me an 18-pager profile when I asked her for it, right? And I thought I could just do the podcast uh, with that profile. I didn't really need to meet her. Please welcome uh, Shreya Krishnan. Hi, Shreya. Hi. Uh, lovely to be on Life, Lemons and Tequila. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, tell me something. What is with your 18-pager profile? Like, you're a communications professional with a, um, a broking firm. Yes. Right. And uh, I just stopped reading after that. <laughs> So, um, by the way, the profile isn't 18-pager. Um, oh, it's 21. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think what happened to me very early on is uh, I realized I like to do a lot of things. And I like to explore multiple career options. So, eventually, at a point in time, I decided that if not now, then when? And I just went after everything I like to do. And it so happened that I it panned out pretty decently. Excellent. So... Um Tell us something about your uh, Instagram profile. I was just going through it and you have 25,000 followers. Yes. Why do you have 25,000 followers? I have no idea. We should <laughs> ask the followers actually. <laughs> no, but uh, it's interesting because you go by the name Drama Rani. Yeah. And what's the story behind Drama Rani? So, uh, in my first job, which was a lot of moons ago, I was actually called Notanki and that name sort of spinned off into Drama Queen. Yeah. And I actually ran a blog on blog post, uh, blog spot a really long time ago, which was called SKDQ, which stood for Shreya Krishnan Drama Queen. Okay. And uh, actually, that's where it started. I actually thought I'll start a brand called Drama Rani. And it so happened that before the brand started, the blog on Instagram started. And I thought, why not use the same name? Okay, interesting. And uh, uh, that's how it started. That's how the Drama Rani journey started. Interesting. And another thing which is uh, which I noticed is you have, uh, I think, about three wardrobes full of saris. Yeah, I do. And what's the story behind that? Because, see, I think I've seen uh, a lot of women. I've seen Jaya Lalita's entire <laughs> huge wardrobe. And then it comes to you is what I felt. Okay, that's, I think, a stretch of your imagination. But uh, I have to say that I started wearing saris very early on in my career. Uh, I actually turned to the sari because I started leading a team when I was 21. And I was in leadership meetings when I was that young. And I realized that um, the sari gave me a sense of maturity, um, of an age which I probably wasn't at that time. And somehow that stuck with me. And also, I think the sari as a garment is so versatile that um, I would never turn to the androgynous black and white uh, power dressing in boardrooms. I'll always turn to the sari because it's, it's just got so much more character. 
and you know different people like different things and i think the saree is my thing not very proud of the fact that i own a lot i um keep saying we need to have sustainability i keep saying we need to you know have a lower carbon footprint but one of the things with the sarees that i own and have are they're all handlooms they're all cotton uh they're all coming straight from the weavers i actually have a map of the country with the weaves of the country which i'm collecting so i think it's just about being conscious and i also do a lot of lending of my sarees like a lot of my friends my family they just come over and when they have occasions they come and take it and wear it and now i've started rewearing a lot of what i already own i went on a shopping ban a few months ago um which was partially successful <laughs> so i think that's that's what my wardrobe story is about excellent so if you guys want to uh, uh borrow some amazing sarees you can always reach out to her on instagram profile and just say shreya hi shreya we want to you know get that particular saree which has a map of india i think it's amazing you know because but i'm sure you 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 i see you travel a lot right yeah i do uh, and I do. that is for work mostly yes yeah so what is it that you uh, really do so my day job involves um, heading marketing and communications for an insurance broking firm that's what i do um i have um, you know a role that sort of pans across the entire spectrum of marketing so from advertising branding to copcom marcom to event social digital to pr to Uh, name it and uh, and you've sorry. done it all <laughs> and I, i do it all <laughs> um so i have um, so i have centers around the country there are events to go to so i end up traveling a fair bit um keeps me in and out of planes but not complaining okay and uh, you know from that thought uh, i just like to ask you and the theme uh, the underlying theme of this podcast is that humor plays a key role in success in anyone's life right yes it could be a bill gates it could be uh, a steve jobs uh, or anyone or it could be shreya krishnan right wow i like the lineup <laughs> <laughs> so um in terms of humor i think firstly uh humor has to be um something that's a part of you if you take yourself too seriously life's going to be really complex and difficult to navigate uh, whereas if you can have a good laugh looking back at life and at things that probably haven't panned out the way you wanted it to it really helps build resilience if you can laugh at yourself if you can be a sport and if nothing really bothers you very deeply i think then you've built a sense of humor that's actually like a protective shield and i think it's very important because um you have one life and if you're going to be serious and boring it's such a waste absolutely and i think uh, you know i'm a, a part-time stand up comedian right and i um, uh, i've been doing this for about 3 years now i realized that that you know people earlier used to not come for shows and they were still warming up to uh, comedy live yeah. comedy and they would prefer going for a movie uh, i think that stems from somewhere that you know i remember in my class right uh, we were told and i would crack a joke and uh, i was asked to get out right so somewhere there is extreme intolerance for humor uh, and it's been ingrained to us saying are tumko to ppf fund banana hai you know you have to make an fd you have to really be serious about life and we we're, we're told and that's why i think we are not a very we were not at least till till a while back we were not uh, appreciative of life uh, or humor itself you know yeah so i think it stems from insecurity 
uh, I think people uh, have a tendency and unfortunately the world we live in and the media around us has built all narratives around making people more insecure and um, everything that you see somehow makes you feel like you don't have enough. Um, and when that happens and when you're in a spot of insecurity, you try to become defensive towards life. And all these things, right, the FD or the PPF or having children or getting married, all of that's anyway going to happen or not happen. Uh, but if you're going to do all of that with a frown on your face, I mean, it's, it's pitiful because you could do all of the same things with enough laughter and joy and happiness and humor. And your life would be so much more easier, happier, simpler. If you can just turn around and say, yeah, I'm, I'm an ass. I mean, I can laugh at myself. Life's, life's lemons and tequila. <laughs> and tequila. Yeah. yeah. So why Yeah, that's, that's exactly why. Uh, so when I was trying to decide on a name, right? I was like, uh, everyone's been saying when life gives you lemons, uh, make lemonade. Right. And then I start partying and then I had tequila. I, uh, I realized that uh, it's it's life is pretty simple. Yeah. You know, we try and make it complicated. And especially when you look at uh, social media, what is your take on what's happening on Twitter, especially Twitter? You know, Instagram, Facebook is fine. Twitter has become uh, that that frustration, you know, um, where Rant. People, yeah, where yeah. People, like that people didn't have a voice before Twitter is what it looks like. So um, uh, let me see each uh, each of the social media profiles uh, or social media handles are all in some form, uh, you know, uh, catering to some sin or the other. And I think <laughs> Twitter is the right uh, platform for fury and anger. And, you know, so that's the sin that I think it it's sort of catches or latches on to. Um, I, I just think that Twitter brings out uh, that side of people that imagine if you're in a room and, and a lot of these people will not argue with you in person. Yeah. A lot of these people will not say these things to you in person. Yes. Uh, they will only say it because uh, they're hiding behind the comfort of the fact that it's a click. It's a there's there's two keypads uh, between you and the person that's that's actually being trolled or you know, whatever is being discussed. And unfortunately, Twitter has also played up very interestingly in the political game. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a reflection of human nature in some form. I feel it's a complete reflection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, where the, the anguish, the anger, the... The angst. The angst. I mean, everything comes out on Twitter. Whether, yeah, yeah. So I was reading this... Um, particular post about uh, an incident that happened in Mumbai in an ATM okay uh, right uh, where this man flashed his private part at a lady withdrawing money and uh, she put it out right she, that's a, that's a serious yeah um, uh, post and concern in terms of where she's requesting people to sort of you know spread the Message. make it viral yeah. right but what happens is, uh, so first three comments which comes in, right? And people are like, oh, brave, bravo, and you've taken a video, and everyone goes, like, there are 10 comments. The 11th one is uh, abusing the 10th comment, saying, tu congressy hai, tu BJP wala hai. <laughs> <laughs> and the discussion from there just took on a different level, right? There was no uh, concern, there's no, uh, there's no empathy there 
right? It is just about how you can get onto Twitter and rant. And um, make it all about alliances and make it all about al- political allegations against parties. I mean, context, I don't, I don't know if people really get the yeah, idea the, of what context means. Oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, social so, media, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, this is why humor is so important. Exactly. You know, yeah. if people are this frustrated, that means either one of two things has to happen. And, the, and there's only one thing that I'll say out loud on a podcast and that is they need to get humor into their lives. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and people need to learn to uh, laugh at themselves. Absolutely. I think in, uh, especially in our country. Yeah. Uh, especially in the political scenario we're in right now. Yes. I think people take themselves too seriously. I think, um, I think there are more people protecting the supreme leader. I mean, <laughs> he's built an army. Right. It's amazing, right? It's, this is what uh, social media and fake news and I'm not saying fake news is only one party. I'm just saying that it's been utilized. The propaganda and the publicity that's been done is so fantastically done that, you know. No, I mean, it is just uh, mind boggling as to how I, mean, I, I was an early adopter of Twitter. Right, and I used to just be a quiet observer. Uh, slowly, I I realized that it's just getting so interesting that if I spend the next three sixty five days just seeing what's happening on Twitter, I would be able to write a book. Absolutely, I think I think so. So I I've I've also been quiet on Twitter. I'm not too much of a Twitterati. I just put stuff out there once in a while, and I'm I'm I use Twitter mainly as. As an interface when I'm in events and when I have to do like the hashtags and things like that. And otherwise I just stay away from it because I just think there's just too much of anger and angst. And uh, it's important to, for people to just relax and you know, go watch comedy. Take a chill pill. Yeah, and come and watch comedy shows, guys. I mean, you know. <laughs> I vouch for that. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Um, you know, how, like, how do you literally, you know, break away from everything? And what is your, uh, uh, you know, go to? Uh, because I end up doing all the things I do, I think I don't have time for uh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. So, um, I, I, you know, a day in my life uh, involves, so I, I do several things, right? Uh, one of them being my day job. And I'm grateful that I've had this opportunity of doing all the things that I do. Otherwise, given regular family scenarios and work scenarios, you don't, people don't usually end up with enough time or support to do all the things that I, I mean, that I managed to do. And I think I'm really grateful for that. Uh, having said that, I think um, one of the reasons I think I keep going and really not worrying about all this noise and cacophony around me is simply because I just have too many things to do that make me happy. Um, I'm a CSR uh, specialist. I advise what is on CSR? corporate social responsibility. Um, How many people do that? So I basically ran it in, in my previous organization. I've been, uh, so my degree was in environmental sciences. Okay. Um, so, you know, I've worked and interned with lots of not-for-profits and volunteer with them. I do a lot of work in the social impact space. Um, I'm also advi- on the advisory uh, board of four companies. So that gives me a lot of interesting insights into different businesses, different uh, kinds of things. Um, and then, of course, I break out with dance and with um, that's that's my. I believe team. you know thirty six. 
forms of dance yeah over 37 uh, forms of dance yeah. um my dance journey actually started with bharatanatyam then moved to contemporary then i did 11 years of latin and ballroom dancing that's your salsa cha cha rumba bachata bolero and um, after that i moved into belly dancing so i've done belly dancing for about 3 years hmm. and now i've gone back to kathak so i've been learning kathak now for the last couple of years and it's magical and it's elevating it is it is yeah. i used to run a dance studio i think that's my retirement plan excellent to open up a dance studio and just go with the flow and just go with the flow and you know teach dance and yeah and, and explore dance and travel around the world exploring the different dance forms and interesting what really excites you like you know when people say uh, life lemon and tequila so what was your uh, life what was your lemons and what was your tequila uh so life has been interesting and challenging simply because of the fact that i chose for it to be we all make choices and i think i've made some fantastic choices and made some abysmal choices which is true <laughs> which for all, all of us, us do. yeah yeah uh so but life has been full it has been forgiving it has been beautiful uh simply because i've learned in the journey and you know i i keep saying this you learn a lot more from failure than you do from success and i think if you know how to pick those lessons up then you're sorted for life lemons have been many as you can see my mm-hmm. basket is full of lemons <laughs> um and i'm again uh, you know i have to say that um, not too many people get the opportunity to do so many things so my basket full of lemons is full brimming and things keep getting added on so that's happy and i think tequila is the fact that everything i've done with the lemons in my life has been moving towards tequila and i take everything else with a pinch of salt so we have the entire range of the tequila program sorted <laughs> excellent because see you know a lot of people uh, don't get to the tequila phase very quickly yeah yeah uh, they stop at the salt phase yeah. or lemon phase see the, the point where i'm trying to you know this has been bothering me for a long time mm-hmm. okay um so we've seen innovators right. around the world okay and uh, we've seen innovations like apple or google and you know early innovators in microsoft and you know where people have sort of taken that leap and done things which right. has changed the world yeah india got on that bandwagon pretty late yeah right no we got on pretty early and then we dropped off we the bandwagon yeah. yeah we had the zero we had the surgery we had ayurveda we had a lot of things going yeah. for us and then suddenly i am happy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right okay either you're in i am or you go to uh, another management school or you become an engineer you become a doctor uh, you become a doctor lawyer ca like these are the five professions uh, that i want so i've done theater for about 12 years right and right. Uh, i was like uh, so this conversation came up with Uh, my parents saying that uh, so i wanted to pursue theater for good they're like uh, 12th ke baad thing i finished my 12th and then uh, this i said i want to pursue theater and they said after college you know and they were trying to negotiate and keep pushing that timeline yeah timeline very politically correct uh, ways of doing it right so i think where somewhere um, um we are not again coming back to the security and we are extremely safe as 
as Indians and uh, how we are brought up, right, culturally, yeah, yeah. Um, is that we are not trained to be uh, entrepreneurs or innovators. Uh, if you see in the last yes. 10 years is what we've seen brands like Zomato, or we've seen... Um, Dunzo, uh, exactly. you know, Practo. Yeah. yeah. But these are also repeat models. Yeah, they are. Right? Yeah. Largely. Yeah. I mean, how do we change that mindset to actually people, parents saying or, you know, uh, pushing the kids to actually go and take that uh, leap and say, okay, go innovate. So, you know, uh, the, the problem lies actually very deep-rooted in two things. One is the mindset of people and two is the education system itself. Um, if you look at it, we are only encouraged in terms of our IQs, right? So everything else, which is sport, art, creative, performing arts, they all fall in the EQ game. So in India, everybody pushes their children to be super far ahead on their IQs and the EQ left gets left far behind. Uh, innovation is deeply connected to your emotional quotient, yes. your experiences in life. Um, and what happens when you aren't allowed, like, like group studies, for instance, it can really open up minds. But do you, can you tell me about one single parent who really encouraged group studies? They think we just waste time, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, uh, and you don't know what's happening. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of, um, so I think it's, it's got to do with both those things, the mindset and the education system, because we are somewhere racing ahead for marks, which aren't a true reflection of what you can do. It's only a true reflection of what you know. And what you know can be the same for multiple different people. But the people who actually cut out and make it and, you know, make that difference are the people who work on what I can do to solve a problem. Can you remember when in school... Because you're a mentor, right? You're, you're a yeah. startup mentor. Yeah. So you might be meeting a lot of people who have great ideas. Yes. And then somewhere take a step back yeah. uh, and drop out. Yeah, because right? because there's a lot of fear associated with it. It's, yeah. it's the same story that you were talking about, which is PPF banana hai, FD banana hai. So, you know, we've, we've, we have this nice structural ladder that goes up in our heads, in our lives, you know, and I hope the next generation doesn't. But it's basically once the child is born, then which school is it going to? Once the 10th is over, which college, then, which 12th? And then all of the marks conversations in oh, between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, what was I've the percentage? That, yeah. yeah, so what was the percentage? Where is he being placed? Um, which college is he getting admission into? Then it's where is he being placed? Is he going out of country? Uh, then get married, then have kids. And then the whole cycle starts all over again. again. Uh, so I think breaking out of that cycle is, is what's important because uh, until you do that, uh, it's going to be really hard. I actually have... Um, a cousin in London and she runs an entrepreneurial school for kids in, in school. Oh, wow. Uh, so she actually goes into school and fourth graders and fifth graders and sixth graders and she helps them set up businesses. Okay. If they have ideas and if they don't, then they join somebody with an idea and then they sort of build a, build a micro business. And I think learning like that is so unbelievably amazing because if you can expose um, youngsters to problem solving. The only problems we solved were math. Yeah. <laughs> right? We never looked at the world in any other way. Yeah, yeah. There were social sciences, there was math. We never connected anything that we learned to real life, you know, or real instances. Hmm. Everything was in a book, in a textbook that had to be puked out. Exactly. I mean, and if you were not good at math, 
then, then your life you're is dead. over. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't good at math. Yeah, I wasn't either. So, <laughs> I mean, and and I have to say this: I, I, I don't have an engineering degree. I, I'm one of the youngest leaders um, in marketing in the country. So, I mean, yes, I, I, okay, coming to that, you know, in, in, uh, interesting. Your 18 pager <laughs> uh, had some uh, 15 awards or 20 awards that you've got, like. Yeah. CMO Asia 40 under 40. Yeah, so um I was I was on the 40 under 40 reputation today list and um it's encouraging when good work gets recognized and um, another thing that I keep telling people when they ask me about awards or the pageants or anything I didn't do it for the award which is probably why I got it in the first place. Um uh, you know because there was no end game of saying let's work towards this because the minute you set your sight on an achievement like that and then you work towards it you somehow will not attain it as comfortably because the other way around when you want to do great work then it automatically gets recognized and i keep saying this you know in careers when i when i talk to people about careers and about what they need to do focus on the experience focus on doing what you can do to stand up in terms of a crowd and do it differently and then you'll see results and if there are no awards at the end of it it's okay you still have the satisfaction of having done great work of having done that yeah, yeah. uh no i i was uh, mentioning forbes because i thought you will be very soon thank you <laughs> thank you I, i mean let's see so maybe uh, i should uh, back some entrepreneurs who are going to be on the forbes podcast oh absolutely yes you must yeah <laughs> but uh so you know uh coming from a communications background mm-hmm. i think a lot of people uh don't understand what pr is yeah you know we've been the back you know back end workers uh, i've run a pr firm and you know i even it took me about 14 years to uh, you know for my parents to just understand what i do in life right and that's again linking it to uh, linking it to where you take even a step away from that traditional uh ways of uh, you know profession or pursuing something that is completely not within their radar of uh, right uh, so what what do we do in pr what do we do in pr i think we tell compelling stories brand some, stories not just brand stories i would like to believe that we tell compelling stories of people who are behind the brands because if you look at it telling a brand story is never complete if you're not talking about people who are associated with it in some form or the other and um, when you tell these stories you tell it with a i believe that you tell it with a sense of honesty and if you want to put a word out there about the brand then when you do it that way it lasts yeah. it leaves a lasting impression um and you know from a pr point of view i think the world has changed so much that a lot of the things that you do in marketing is also pr a lot of the things that you do with employer hr which is basically employer brands is pr a lot of what you do with csr is is pr, PR. correct a lot of what you do with business and business ethics and and the way you behave is pr right so if you look at it an organization cannot really sustain if they are not able to crack the fact that everything we do has an impact either on an internal stakeholder or on an external stakeholder and i think understanding that is the crux of uh, where pr lies and it's a journey a lot of brands are still on that journey they haven't really cracked it 
Uh, a lot of times people think advertising is PR, which it's not. A lot of times people think just oh, yeah, like press my mother, releases. Correct. And so my mother thought that every time I would go for a press conference with a celebrity, I would be in the papers. <laughs> that was her idea of me working. Like, right. You're a professional, but you should be in the papers, right? You did a press conference yesterday. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. You know, there is a person, you know, there is a story that is being created or, or, or weaved, you know, to... Yeah. Uh, so, you know, from the outside world, people really don't understand PR uh, as, as, a, as a profession. Yeah, they don't. Um, um, but I, I strangely, my, I remember my granny telling me when I was really young that I should become a PRO. You know, the, oh, old, yeah, the, origi- old, the original old original PRO. Ha. And uh, interestingly enough, I landed up doing the <laughs> same thing, you know. But I think you're right. You, uh, and you know, a, lo- a lot of PR professionals themselves are discovering what it is that they can do over and above your regular mandate of, of sending out press releases, of tracking competition, of tracking, uh, you know, media. And actually having conversations with journalists, I think um, I think it's changing and it's changing for the better because the world is um, in some form shrinking. At the same time, PR needs patience, uh, PR needs effort, lots and lots of effort. Um, and it needs also a certain sense of pride about what you do because if you don't have that, then it's going to be really boring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There is no way you're going to be, you know, going, taking that next, going to the next level. Yes, you know, absolutely. It has yeah. no value at all. All right, Shreya. Uh, so it's been it's been good uh, talking to you till mm-hmm. now. And uh, but there's there's something interesting of your profile, which is the um, Mrs. India World title in yeah. 2017. Yeah. Like how how did that happen? What's the story behind it? Because I think. Beauty pageants, communication professional, you know, somewhere there is a mismatch, which activist, activist, uh, a, a social worker. Yeah, yeah, I was the Jhola carrying social worker. You know, uh, I worked with Greenpeace. I've protested. I've been part of all of that. But uh, coming to the pageant journey, I think it started when I was pregnant with my daughter, and my gynec at that time he said. Um, I have to participate in this Mother's Day pageant that was coming up, which was Cloud9 had this thing called the Cloud9 Queen. So for Mother's Day, they had all the pregnant moms walking the ramp and they were basically giving away, um, you know, huge discounts on their, uh, so the prize money, yeah, there was, the prize money was basically a huge discount and an upgrade and all of that on the package Um, and a lot of things that were coming, you know. So um, my husband actually laughed it off and said, really, you're going to spend your weekend doing that and not resting at home. I was seven and a half months pregnant. Um, And um, my gyna kept insisting. Over three um, meetings, he said, you have to do this. You have to do this. If you do it, you'll win it. And I said, okay, I mean, I love the guy. My gyna is an amazing guy. So um, I said, okay, I'll do it for you. And I actually drove myself on a Saturday for the rehearsal and Sunday was the finale. Um, Drove myself both times. Thankfully for the finale, my husband and my mom turned up. Um, And, you know, I've always realized that if I'm not allowed to speak, I will not leave a lasting impression at all. But thankfully, um, uh, I was allowed to dance down the ramp and not walk down the ramp. So 
I think they noticed me and I made it to the top 10, whatever. And in, and then I got the question of, if you were brand ambassador for Cloud9, what you would do? <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> and I okay. was so right up my alley. And, um, and I won that pageant. I won a lot of things. It was quite embarrassing when I landed up at the hospital for my delivery. You know how in Pizza Hut and all these places <laughs> and they, they have they, a they song have and the song, they clap. Yeah. yeah, so it was something like that. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, oh, they the make you stand, did they make you stand is... on a chair or stand on the... No, thank God. No, you're pregnant and you're delivering <laughs> I, on the day. Yeah, so they didn't do so. that. But everybody stood and they clapped and they were like, oh. And I had... So I got a lot of love. It was very sweet. Um, and I got a lot of hampers and I didn't have yeah. to buy anything to the baby because I just Everything's... got... Yeah. And one of the sponsors there was actually a sponsor at another event. And then they said, you should take part in that. And by then, my daughter was three months. And I took part in that. And I won another crown there. Uh, and so that was the first two pageants that I was part of. Then there was, again, one person connects you to another right. in these and circles. In and, these, uh, you yeah. know, and Mantri had a, a you know, a Mantri Square Supermom event. And I was connected to them and I went and did that event. And um, I remember one of the rounds was Ikibana, which is flower arrangement. And oh, oh. my God. <laughs> I mean, like, it's totally not something that I was up to. But then I said, if I don't talk now, I'll probably be eliminated. So I said, I actually Let's, have a story. Oh. And then I took the mic and I told this story about whatever it was that I had created. Went into the last round, won that. Uh, so this was 2014. And then for a bit, there was a lull. I didn't do anything. 2017, uh, year beginning, there was a friend of mine who again connected me to Corporate Diva. Uh, corporate Diva is basically a platform that celebrates women in the corporate field. And it's, it's, it's again, uh, it's not exactly a pageant, but it's something like that. You know, they celebrate okay. women in the corporate space. Right. They have right. uh, learning sessions. They have interactions. They have skills, all of that stuff. I took part in it that year and I won Corporate Diva 2017. Um, wow. And the grooming partner at Copta Diva was also the grooming partner for Mrs. India Universe. And she said, Shrey, you should go. And I said, me? I mean, up until Copta Diva was fine. It was about being a mother. It was about being, you know, work and all of that. Mrs. India, I didn't think I was Mrs. India material. I, I don't, I still sometimes, if I look at it, then I'm, I know I'm stereotyping. But I'm not one of the, your regular run-of-the-mill. Yeah. yeah. So... I told her I don't fit in and she said no you will fit in because you really will change the dynamics of how the game works and you can really inspire a lot of people if you go for it. Um, so I imagine a dark skinned South Indian and at that time I had like a boy crop. I you know I had really <laughs> short hair and um, for a, was, and going for Mrs. India. Yeah, I'm going for Mrs. India. India. And I flew in uh, to Delhi to the airport and uh, I had to meet these women. And I was in a cotton dress and a denim jacket with my backpack on and I was walking. And then I suddenly see this group of beautiful, mm. gorgeous women in flowing gowns and mm. wearing sunglasses and standing there with holding their bags impeccably. And I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> um, where where, where have I landed? I See, the thing is, the women are amazing. But then, you know, I really honestly look like either their photographer or their makeup assistant. Right. I didn't look like one of them. Um, they were gorgeous, beautiful, stunning women and very, very nice women, like wholehearted, beautiful, really nice yeah. people, right? Uh, but two days in, I was like, where the hell am I? Why did I do this to myself? Because I clearly... I, st I stand out like a sore thumb. I was dressed in cotton dresses, uh, in kalamkaris and ikkats. And <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay. 
and big nose pins and big bindis and you know the whole you the, the your yourself myself right? I, i just stayed yeah. true to myself so th- i'm grateful that i did and uh, three days in when the conversation started and I, i realized that i had a lot of friends and uh, by then you know everybody wanted to um you know connect with me because i could help them with a profile i could help them with um answering questions and things like that so by the seventh day i won the mrs india world crown and i wow. came back home i made dal chawal khichdi for my daughter <laughs> washed seven days of laundry and that wow. was it and what i was reading an article about you that you didn't really like the journey thereafter um you know because because of the stereotypes uh, not that i didn't like the journey thereafter but but i think there's you know imagine like i said um somebody who does all of these things uh, the way the approach to the whole pageant industry is is very again very stereotyped like yeah, yeah much like the media again it plays to your insecurities you know um it tells you to break out of your rut and it tells you that glamour is the only thing and so right, like you said that when you landed you yeah. saw all these women and then yeah. you were like i am a misfit yeah right because it was a stereotype in my own head which which i broke and uh, which and the news or the media has pretty much portrayed uh, for all these years yes you know because that's what you consume and that's yeah. what you believe but i'm grateful to this friend of mine who said you should go because you know you will break all of those stereotypes and you will actually have a powerful narrative that's created uh, the only thing that i thought i didn't do justice to was the fact that i didn't take it on too much from there because i think i got caught in a lot of the other things that i did but hopefully in the future i'll go to one of the international pageants which people have been asking me to let's see it will be amazing to see you know at, at an international level uh, i mean even this was pretty much miss india mrs india world yeah, right yeah. so uh, so that's the plan let's see where that goes interesting interesting shreya i think it, it, it's it's been uh, uh, you know it's been such a journey for you i re- now after talking to you for about 40 minutes i realized that you've had a, a crazy yeah. uh, you know roller coaster ride where now you you're like you know still exploring yeah and uh, i think it's important see th- there was another a uh, point which uh, you know you 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 mentioned that you you you're a lot, you know you write or talk or speak and you focus a lot on gen- gender sensitivity yeah right what uh, is really uh, gender sensitivity firstly uh, it it's important to understand that uh, gender is no more binary Right. there are about 18 recognized genders in the world um and you know uh, when we are approaching so I, i do a lot of training programs in this space so when we look at gender there's a lot of sexism that continues to exist uh, either on social media or in person or in the boardroom there is mm, that gender bias exists there is a yeah, bias both yeah, conscious yeah, and unconscious yeah. and that continues to exist and um i think as somebody who has a voice and as somebody who writes and you know i think i have thankfully uh, the ability to reach an audience that i could make an impact in uh, so when i talk about gender sensitivity and equality i just talk about a few things uh, we have equality very misconstrued we have feminism very misconstrued um, what we need is equal opportunities for everybody and that is gender equality there is no other definition that can make it as as simple as this 
because when you have open opportunities that are available and when you have the freedom to make your own choices i think we will be in a really equal world yeah i mean that is something which we are waiting for right we have yeah. been waiting for eternally and hopefully it should happen uh in the coming uh, with the next generation uh with with my kids growing up to be you know in that part of that world where yeah uh, that's the hope yeah that's the hope but you also have a social uh you you do social service yes, and yes. pretty actively yeah right um what is that i do work in the social impact space i actually partner with a few organizations I'm brand ambassador for Vidya Foundation so they do a lot of work uh, in after school learning uh, with kids and they do a lot of work with women um they reskill women uh, you know underprivileged women and they actually get them to start businesses and so they teach them um you know cottage industry kind of work and and they do a lot of interesting work with women in different parts of the country so I uh, partner with them uh, I'm part of an organization um on the advisory uh, of Samarthanam Trust for the Disabled um they're doing a lot of very interesting work they've actually set up an incubation center for startups in the uh, space for disability oh, damn interesting yeah. yeah yeah so i'm i'm advising them um so i i do a lot of pro bono volunteering work for a lot of organizations um you know so what so does samarthan uh, samarthan do they are actually they have a blind school they have a school for intellectual disability they they have a bp or a call center they have a reskilling center they do a series of things but what i do with them is uh, two things one is um, i help them with their marketing when they need it and uh, two i help them with uh, you know the whole um, incubation center which i was telling you about so they right. incubate startups that are working in the disability space they are the only um, incubation center for the disabled in the world wow okay so they do some fantastic work wow. they already have 10 incubation uh, startups that are being monitored mentored assisted and all of that so they have an accelerator program so it's fantastic they so it's do damn interesting because yeah. i mean i have not heard of uh, uh, incubation uh center where for the disabled you know yeah you and know then, there is there is uh, virtual reality that's available for blind people they just have to wear something and then they actually have a voice telling them how many steps to take how many because it translates it's it's maths right uh, right so it's so, like assisted correct. it's like assisted virtual reality yeah. where you actually where your life gets so much simpler so that's one of them there's another company that's actually um in the space for disabled people to find love so it's like a oh it's like a, a it's tinder like a portly, for yeah, oh it, uh, tinder slash matrimony whatever matrimony yeah but um so there's there's some really interesting stories in this space and uh, these people are actually um curating this and it's fascinating uh, it's great to be you know somewhere involved in that whole thing so no i'm sure i mean it, it must be uh, extremely uh, satisfying you know soul satisfying uh, to uh, see the progress yeah it is because when you see life uh, and when you see the lives of these people you realize how privileged and entitled we all are and oh, what talking about entitlement so yeah. to you know yeah. interrupt there but and we all feel so entitled yeah all the time uh, all the time especially all the time. with on social media oh yes <laughs> the kind of entitlement that we see is it's oozing from every yeah. pore So uh so, so you know when you work in these spaces so I'm also part of an organization called WOW which is women orbiting women we actually um are about seven chapters of women uh, who meet once a month and we actually pool it's based on the kitty model we pool 1000 bucks each and we actually donate 
some of the funds but for the last four years we were giving zero percent interest loans to women entrepreneurs in rural parts of india okay and we've actually helped over 900 women so they are beneficiaries who have gotten these loans at zero percent interest wow. and they've all you know uh, put that money into their businesses you know series of things it is mind-boggling to see what a small loan of 5,000 or 10,000 rupees can do for these women. It can truly change their lives. So I'm part of that organization. So I think it's, um, like you said, the satisfaction comes from the fact that um, that you don't grow up to be arrogant, to, to think, take things for granted. Uh, because when you see the kind of impact you do, it makes you feel... You know, it, it makes you fe- realize how small you are in the grand scheme of things. I mean, absolutely. Because uh, at the end of the day, right, we all, um, most of us, right, what we do is uh, wake up, go to work, do the work, come back, watch some TV, watch some news channels uh, with extremely loud anchors and uh, go to sleep. Yeah. Right. But here you are doing 10,000 things at the same time, which has a social impact, which has, which also uh, sort of, you know, gives you that, uh, that peace of mind of, of doing things for, for the society. And uh, that, that's a, that's, you know, that's kind of a model that I feel that uh, everyone should, at least the, the coming generations and parents should inculcate in, in the kids. Yeah, because uh, you start at home. I, I keep saying this, uh, start simple, start at home. Your maids are your direct connection. Um, help them educate their children. Uh, do things for them. Um, because a lot of times if you don't ask and if you don't do for them, then, you know, you're just going to continue doing the same thing and you won't even realize that there's something you can do. So keep it simple. Uh, look around you. There are lots of people that could, you know, uh, that, that could need a hand to just uplift them in the right direction. And all you need to do is to find that. Exactly. Um Great. Thank you so much for talking uh, to me on the podcast called Life Lemons and Tequila, Shreya. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. And uh, yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. What a great conversation. I think this world lacks uh, conversations and they can't be enough. I think this is a great way to start. So all the best to Life Lemons and Tequila. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Alright, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. This was the episode one. I'd like to thank Rupin Paul, Ritach Nivasan uh, for helping me out with this. And also Audio Boom for hosting uh, uh, the podcast. Next week up, I have one of the finest comedians in India. Uh, please stay tuned. Please subscribe to my channel. Bye-bye.